Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Tri-Cities Church. Hey, as we were singing that song and Paul was praying and talking about God being good, even in dark times, I was thinking uh, the greatest proclamation of the goodness of the Lord came from a cross a long time ago as Jesus hung there. And, uh, and just how amazing opportunity we have in times of our life that we declare the goodness of the Lord as we're going through the most difficult points or moments in our lives. It's that that moment that our voice becomes louder, even though we could be whispering, right? Our voice is heard far, even though we're in one central place. And people come to know the goodness of God by the way we proclaim his goodness. We hold fast to his goodness, uh, even in difficult times. Well, hey, welcome to Tri-Cities Church. If this is your first time here, I do welcome you here. I'm Wesley. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are a, uh, a church that's uh, exploring together what it looks like for us to follow God today and uh, follow God through uh, difficult situations. And, and uh, I love to have this privilege to be able to stand here and to share with the scriptures, uh, uh, share from the scriptures, with, uh, share the scriptures with you, or however I want to say that, I don't know. Uh, on Sundays and for us to be able to explore what the Bible says uh, and how it's relevant uh, for our lives. This morning we're beginning a new series. We're calling it Relationship Rx. It's uh, prescriptions for healthier relationships. The reality is we all have uh, relationships. We all live in relationship with, with one another. In fact, life is kind of like a series of relationships, right? You wake up in the morning and you're with uh, one person or group of person or with, with yourself even. We all relate with ourselves in, in, in different kinds of ways, right? Um, and uh, so we're, we're always in relationship and we're always passing from one relationship to another, right? If you go to, if you're even, you know, people you don't know you're in relationship with. If you're um, on the highway in the car, right, and you see somebody and uh, they cut you off, there, there are some relationship signals that may be exchanged uh, at that moment. Those are, those are relationships. We're always passing from one relationship to another. You get at work and you clock in, you're seeing your coworkers. Those are relationships. Uh, you leave and you come back home or go to the grocery store or go to the mall. Those are, those are, you're interacting with people and those are relationships. And so we're always passing from one relationship to another. Uh, in fact, relationships make up our lives uh, in, in many ways. And so we're spending this series four weeks exploring uh, how we can have healthier relationships uh, with people um, because if we have healthier relationships, our lives are just better, right? Our lives are just better. And so uh, I challenge you to be here for this series because I think it's going to be important uh, for us just as a church as we try to relate uh, to each other, right? As we build and grow that relationship that God has called us as a community of followers of Jesus Christ right here uh, to have with each other as we explore uh, what that looks like and then also relationships with other people, what that looks like who don't go to our church and maybe aren't even followers of Jesus Christ and want to have nothing to do with uh, people who are followers of Jesus Christ, what those kind of relationships look like. And then also uh, um, the fundamental relationship is our relationship with God um, who um, that relationship is a relationship that transforms all other relationships. And so um, that, that's one that, that as we talk about relationships, uh, we, we can't leave that one out. So we'll be exploring all of this uh, for the next four weeks. Let's pray and then we'll get into our message for this morning. God, we give you thanks this morning that you uh, give us this opportunity and this space to gather in this place uh, to read the scriptures which um, were written a long time ago by people that we will never know. But God, they speak into our lives as though they were written by a friend. 
And that's true because they were inspired by a God that knew us before the foundations of the earth, a God that knit us together while we were still in our mother's womb, a God who formed us with a vision for us in our lives, a God who gave our lives purpose that's only fulfilled in community and relationship with other people, a God who created us in his own image. And so he knew what to inspire the authors a long time ago to write. And so, God, we approach the Holy Bible, knowing that there's truth here for us, for our lives, for our relationships. And God, we just pray that you guide us into it. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the reality is we were all created to be and live in a relationship with one another. In fact, that's what the Bible is laying out for us from the very beginning of the scriptures in Genesis chapter, uh, well, you can even start in Genesis chapter one with the creation of the world. We see there's a God who chose to create this world and to create us in his own image. But he didn't just create one man and put him on an island somewhere, right? He created Adam and Eve so that they could procreate. What did he tell them? Be fruitful and multiply, right? Um, And so he created them so they could procreate. And when God did that, Right, he didn't just have um, he didn't just have this couple uh, that had this romantic relationship uh, in mind. Right, God wasn't just trying to form this husband and wife that enjoyed uh, procreation, right, or the, at least the practice of that. Right, that wasn't what that was wasn't. <laughs> That really wasn't what God had in mind, right? God had in mind a man and a woman through which the earth would be populated and communities would grow and people would live in relationship with one another. So from the very beginning, we see that there was a God that was concerned with relationships. He created this world so that people could live with each other, not in isolation with each other, from each other, but in relationship with each other. We were created for relationships. And like I said before, life is a series of relationships. We're always shifting from one to another. And, and, and in fact, our lives are fundamentally made better by the health of our relationships, right? If we have bad relationships, there's no pain like the pain of a broken relationship. There's no hurt like the, the hurt that we experience when a relationship is broken. In fact, you can look at our lives and see the way we seek humans, seek fulfillment in relationships, right? And we experience voids when relationships aren't there. And we're not just talking about one Uh, kind of relationship, but all kinds of relationships, whether there's a voice from uh, a mother or a father not being there, that's a pain like no other or a void that no one and nothing is able to to feel, right? Because we were created for those kinds of relationships or the person that's desperately seeking a spouse, right? And, And feels this void or emptiness, almost wants this fulfillment in relationships. The reality is we were created to live in relationship with one another. And so there's this drive within us to find meaning, purpose, and value in ourselves even on the basis of the relationships that we have. And, and that's a dangerous thing for us to do uh, because the scriptures are showing us to find our, 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 um, our identity, our value, our meaning and purpose fully in God. And then as we, if we, as we find ourselves being made whole uh, in and through our relationship with God, then that carries over into our relationship with other people. 
right? And that wholeness, that fulfillment, that satisfaction, that happiness, that joy that we have in our relationship with other people carries over, or I mean, and God carries over into our relationship with other people. So if we're, if we're looking for joy, fulfillment, satisfaction, pleasure, uh, wholeness in a relationship with someone else, we're just not going to find it there, right? We're going to constantly be pursuing, jumping from relationship to relationship, ending relationships, cutting people off, uh, 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 disassociating ourselves with people, because ultimately what we were trying to find in them couldn't be found in them to begin with, right? It could only be found in God. So we were created for relationships. God desires that we engage in relationships with other people. But our first and primary relationship must be a relationship with God. Now, the thing I want to say from the outset of this uh, sermon series, because I want us to be on the same page and not confused here. Um, the Bible is not a self-help manual, right? The Bible did not set out to teach us how to have better relationships. God is not saying um, relationships on earth are broken. Let's write a book and throw some scriptures in there about how these people could fix their relationships. That's just not the way this thing is playing out. That wasn't the heart or mind of God. And sometimes I think it's easy for us to fall back and give in to this uh, temptation or this inclination, if you will, to treat the Bible like a self-help manual. And so it's like, okay, my relationships are broken. So what, what, what scripture can I find that will help me to fix it? Or what does the Bible say that if I do, this will bring healing into this relationship? Or if I do this, this will make this better. And our temptation is to search the scriptures looking for that kind of answer in the scriptures. Um, and, and, um, and when we treat it that way, um, we're mistreating the Bible And the fundamental purpose that's found therein, right, which is to point us to one relationship that matters, that overflows and transforms all others. So here's here's the deal. The Bible's not saying, um, because we're we're in the book of Proverbs, uh, this probably this entire series and maybe even the next series. Uh, So we might spend a little bit of time in the book of Proverbs. uh, uh, And if you're opening your Bible, Proverbs chapter 18, over the next two months, we'll be in in the book of Proverbs a good bit. And and the Proverbs are a bit disconnected as, as a book, right? They're just, they're like these wise sayings. And sometimes one verse doesn't even seem to be connected with the very next verse, right? It's, it's just not written in that way. And there's just like a collection of wise sayings. And it would be easy for us to go to this and say, what proverb will benefit my relationship and what I'm going through right now? When what we, what we, what we see in the scriptures is that there's a God that wants the whole being to be made whole, right? The whole, the whole person to be made whole and not just this isolated relationship being made better, right? I mean, um, um, there's a, there's a whole self-help. Actually, in fact, I was up at, um, that Barnes and Nobles, uh, on, at Cumberland Mall and their self-help section had been uh, renamed, uh, your best life now, section, right? It's just your best life now. I, I, Joel Osteen, I mean, I say, and I think comes from him, right? And it's all about living your best. There are tons of books, right? If you want to fix issues, specific issues in your relationship, that may be a good place to go. I, I can't really vouch for it, but that may be a good place to go. But if you want as a, as a human to be made whole and experience God's healing in all areas of your life, even your relationships, right? Then this is the place to go, right? Because the scriptures are pointing us to a God who came and said, I've come to make all things new, right? And that includes our 
relationships. And so um, for four weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, four different prescriptions for healthy relationships, things we can do, uh, things we can practice, integrate into our lives so that we can live uh, in healthier relationships with other people. And our first prescription this morning um, is active listening, active listening, right? The reality is we all hear, right? We all, we all have a hearing to some degree, um, and we experience the world that way as we take in our environment. Now, our environment in any setting, this is this right now, is probably one of the quietest environments you'll find yourself in throughout the whole week. Because you'll get home and it may be kids running around or TV playing or radio playing or dogs barking. But this right now is one of the quietest environments we will find ourselves in. We're constantly being bombarded with sound from our environment, whether it's airplanes or dogs barking or people yelling or kids playing. We're constantly being, and so we're always hearing things, and that's not, a, um, that's not whether we want to or not. We're constantly hearing things, but active listening, listening uh, is different than, than hearing, right? Because hearing is a passive practice, right? You don't have to work at, at, at hearing. You just sit still, right? And the noises that are happening around you, you hear, and what happens happens is we learn to begin um, tuning certain things out. We, we, are, we are masters at doing that, whether we realize it or not, because there's so many sounds, we're in so many environments where there's noise always going. We become masters of tuning things and tuning people out, right? And so a lot of times, even in relationships, this happens, right? In relationships, even with people that you would say you care about, right? We have learned to tune them out because I'm just not going to let her steal my joy, right? I'm, I'm not going to have a bad day today, right? I did, you are not going to say something. I, I, you know, I had my uh, Cheerios or cornflakes, whatever it was. My milk wasn't spoiled. It was nice and fresh, right? And I had, I, my day, my cup of coffee was, was right um, and, and my day is off to a good start. And we are masters of tuning things out, even people. But what we see is through active listening, right? When we practice listening, our days are made better, right? Our, our relationships are made better. Now, maybe not your days are made better because if you, you just got to deal with some stuff, right? We, we, let, can, yeah, can we, can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we, it, here's the deal, right? This is, and maybe this isn't all of us. Some people are, um, some of you, some, some people, some, some of you are, are warriors, right? You like conflict, right? But, but I think by far the majority of people don't like conflict and we avoid it, right? I could be right. I don't know if that's right, but if that's you that avoids conflict, right? You know, you see that person uh, coming down and you just, you want to pretend like they're not there. You're going down the hallway. You want to, you, you might go into the bathroom, right? Anybody ever done that? Go into the bathroom knowing you don't have to, you even go into a stall and lock it knowing you don't have to use the restroom uh, just to avoid some body, right? Or you got to go to the um, um, Walmart to pick up some Chewing gum, because you're just not ready to go home yet, right? Um, because you're trying to, we are masters of avoiding uh, conflict in relationships. It just happens that way. Um, but, but here's the deal. Uh, it's not necessarily going to be easier to apply biblical principles for our relationships to our lives. Listening is not going to be the easy route. It's probably going to be easier 
to have someone you don't like or don't feel like listening to at this moment talking, and all you're hearing is blah, 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 blah. That probably, yeah, 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 yeah. Even the child knows how funny that is for us as adults to do that, right? Child's like, y'all are ridiculous. Um, it, it might be easier, but, but, but it's never, we never grow and our relationships will remain stagnant and will not be whole unless we learn to listen. So the first prescription for us is active listening. Look at, look at Proverbs chapter uh, 18. That's where we're going to be um, this morning. In Proverbs chapter 18, this proverb is showing this guy who's uh, selfish. He's only after his own needs, his own desires, and, and he's not willing to open his mind or heart or or uh, thoughts to, to anything else, right? He's not willing to listen, and especially not the kind of listening that leads to understanding. So ultimately, he's choosing to, because it's easier or more self-fulfilling, to not understand, to not uh, grasp the situation, right? Because, um, because, because he's just wired that way and is uh, uh, refusing to press into the tension. Look at what it says. An unfriendly person is what it says. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinion, right? Those first two verses, those are very clear for us, right? There's this unfriendly person that's only pursuing their own ends, their own good, their own desire, right, in in life. And and they're ignorant of what's going on around them, the needs of others, the pain of others, the pursuits of others, the things they can do to even help or assist other people through life, right? Uh, They're just, they just are self-absorbed. Our society... And I, I'm not, um, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm dissing it, like dissing our society. We're going to hell in a handbasket. I'm not going there. Um, but it's, that's not what I'm saying, right? Um, but our society does, um, it does, uh, we are wired or trained from the time that we grow up, whether it's television and commercials, right? And I think we have to combat that, um, particularly parents have to combat that, uh, uh, you know, with your children, because our, our society it will uh, wire us in such a way that the world uh, evolves, revolves around us, right? Um, and so we can be this unfriendly person with selfish ends very easily in, in this world. And it says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but light, delight in airing their own opinions. Just want to be heard. When wickedness comes, so does contempt. And with shame comes reproach. The words of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. It is not good to be partial to the wicked and so deprive the innocent of justice. Then I love this verse. The lips of fools brings them strife and their mouths invite a beating. That is gospel truth, right? We... (laughs) We, the, the, here's, the, here's the Bible, right? The Bible is always teaching us, um, almost from beginning to end, that we would be better off to speak less and listen more, right? That we'd be better off if we just learned to speak less. Because if we speak more and listen less, our mouths are going to invite a beating. Verse 7, look at what it says. The mouth of fools are their undoing and their lips a snare to their very lives. And then jump down to verse 13 with me. It says in verse 13, to answer before listening is folly and shame. And we're all so prone, right? You know, we can't really point out any one person. We're all so prone to have preconceived ideas 
answers that are formed, understanding that is already shaped before we ever practiced listening. And the scriptures are showing us is that we were wired from birth to be able to hear. But at some point, we have to transition from hearing to listening. You see, there's three things I want you to see the way that uh, hearing is different from, from listening. The first one is that hearing uh, is a, a sense, right? It's a natural sense that, that humans have. Um, hearing is a sense, but listening is different. Listening is a skill, right? It's, a sk- it's something that we must learn. Listening is a skill that can be learned and practiced. You can become better at listening. Usually, we're born with a certain level of hearing, and I think it, it declines from there. Um, but you can become better at, you can become a better listener. I came across this list of 10 things, and I want to share this list with you. Um, in fact, if you have one of these sheets, these are good for taking notes on. Um, you would have gotten it when you, when you came in the door this morning. Um, but they're, they're good for taking notes because here's the, here's the thing. I've told you all this before. I've walked out of church on Sunday, gone to a restaurant, and somebody said, what'd you preach on? And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I've, I've forgotten it. I, I was thinking about food. Um, and so if that happens to me, surely it happens to the rest of us. But this guy, um, Dr. Gottman, he has these 10 things. He's a relationship expert, if you will, right? He studied relationships and he has these 10 active listening skills. And I think, um, all of these need to be integrated in our lives. And some of us can do, or some of us do one better than the other. And so as I read these 10, I want you to just listen to them and think which one, uh, which one do I need to work on and maybe jot that one down and then, and then begin working on it today. Right? Uh, so the first one is, he says, focus on being interested, not interesting, right? Focus on being interested, not interesting. Focus on being interested in what someone else is saying, right? So when we're in a conversation with someone, being interested, engaging into their, in their conversation instead of, um, because this is, this is what happens to me. Oh, what you just said just reminded me of a story, right? That's what's going on in my head. That's an internal dialogue. And I'm jumping in and, oh, that day, other day, something just like that happened to me. Let me tell you this story, right? And this person didn't even get to finish their story because my story was more interesting, of course. Um, and so focus on being more interested, right? Quieting that internal voice, right, that is telling you that your story is better or more interesting than theirs. Second one, start by asking questions. Learning to ask good questions is a good way to engage in conversation, right? It, we, don't feel, we don't have to feel like we need to be the one speaking all the time. Learning to ask open-ended questions that draw more out of a person is a good thing. Active listening always draws more out of a person. And it's not just, it's not about forcing them to say something they don't want to say, but it's about helping them say something that they want to or need to say. The reality is we're all uncomfortable to some degree communicating the things that are on our mind, but because we were created to live in relationship, we need to get those things out. Third thing, Look for commonalities. And so you can point these things out if, if, you, if you need to, right? The commonalities between your story and somebody else's story, they make you more relatable to know that you've experienced a similar thing. And then when you become more relatable, it helps a person to share more and gives you more opportunities to listen. Fourth, tune in with all your attention. Really listen to people. We rarely do that anymore. Um, especially when, um, especially when, when we're in arguments, right? Have you ever been, uh, if you've ever been in an argument, 
Um, especially in arguments, right? If you've ever been in a related argument and you remember what it was like, right? Here's what we do. We begin formulating our comeback, right? While the other person is talking, we know just what we want and we just can't wait till they finish the little pause and what they have to say so that we can say what we need to say. One, number five, uh, communicate that you are listening with a nod or a sound. That's the, uh-huh, yes, I understand. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, so you're kind of, and so if somebody was talking to you and you just sit, sat there with a stone face, right? No kind of nonverbals, they, they wouldn't be prone to communicate communicate with you or continue communicating with you. And so one of the best things you can do is to use your nonverbals to communicate back. Number six, paraphrase what the speaker says. That is this, and I, and I, um, we, uh, my wife and I were in counseling once, um, um, more than once, but there was one particular time that, uh, that the lady says, um, she, she told us to, um, to say, you know, this kind of conflict stuff. And what, and this is what I hear you saying is, and my wife and I, we took that away, and we, we took that very robotically. Uh, and so our, our conversations didn't sound like humans. We were constantly going, so what I hear you saying is, so what I hear you saying is, no, that's not what I was saying. So what I hear you say, and it just, it just, it, it felt, it felt, it felt forced. It didn't feel normal. Um, but there's good ways of doing this. And it's not by going, so what I hear you saying is, but it's saying, oh, so, so you say you, oh, so you went through, oh, so that felt like. You know, I mean, so it doesn't have to be, we just didn't get it, right? We, we, just, we tried, we tried. Um, but you have to, you can even practice this so that it can begin to feel like a normal part of communication, right? So that you can make sure that you understand, when you paraphrase, phrase, you make sure that you understand and that the person that you're speaking to is able to clarify if you've misunderstood. It helps listening and helps you get you to a place of understanding. Number seven, um, validate the speaker's emotions. Um, this is, you know, you're talking to somebody, and maybe this is especially for guys who aren't always wired to be emotionally expressive. Maybe I'll put it that way. Because guys have emotions. We can try to act like we don't, right? Guys have emotions, but we're not as emotionally expressive. And so um, your wife might be, you might be in a conversation, a wife or a coworker, and you're like, um, this is dumb. Why is she crying about this? Right? And, and to one of your boys, you may say, man up. But to your wife, you can't say that, right? But you can't like, you're having a hard time validating the, the, her emotions, right? Um, validate those emotions, right? Even though you don't understand them, even though you're not experiencing them, right? Affirm those emotions because that's how this situation is causing him or her to feel in the moment. And it will help communication to go further. Number eight, uh, maintain eye contact, right? That's something that some of us are good at. Some people aren't, um, but there's something to be aware of whether or not you're making eye contact or not. Number nine, let go of your own agenda. Sometimes we have uh, uh, something that we need to say, a message that we want them to hear, and sometimes it's just not the right time. And we will constantly, if we're holding on to our agenda, we will force it in a conversation where it just does not fit. Um, and, and that's unhealthy for relationships. Number 10, this is important. Turn off the TV or anything else that is distracting. Put your cell phones in a closet, right? Turn it off. Cut it, the ringer off. Whenever you're having conversations with people, um, because those distractions, what they do is they shut down communication. 
So um, um, uh, hearing is a sense, but active listening is a skill. There are things that we have to work towards putting into practice so that we are listening. And when we actually listen, here's what happens. Something um, marvelous, miraculous happens, right? We, we begin to respond um, not because something's being said, but we're responding to something that is being said. We're not responding because something's being said, but we're responding to what is being understood, what is being said, because we've understood it, we've processed it, we've grasped it, grasped it, and now we can respond out of that understanding. If not, here's what happens in relationships, and this is a communication breakdown. Uh, one or the other is just, they're just not listening to me. They just, they aren't hearing me. They're not understanding me. And then they refuse to communicate in the future because there's a breakdown somewhere because we're responding because something's being said, not because we understood what is being said. So uh, listening is a skill that we must learn. And when we learn it, we can understand what's being said. Second thing I want you to see, difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is a human action while listening is a humanizing action. Listening is a humanizing action. It is a a powerful way to convey you are loved. It is a a powerful way to convey grace. You are accepted. It is a powerful way to convey worth and value. Your life has meaning to me, right? When we choose to listen to people, to cut off the TV, to put away, to focus in with our attention, to not press our agenda on people, when we choose to listen actively, what we're doing is we're communicating to a person their, our love, our, our, um, their worth, their value, and, and what we do, right? And it all works different in different people, right? We communicate those things, or at least we attempt to communicate those things with our words. And we've already established that the Bible is clear. We could do better by speaking less and listening more. And so instead of feeling like you got to communicate um, your love, somebody's worth, their acceptance, um, your approval of them, instead of feeling like you have to communicate that always with your words, try communicating it with your ears. By listening. Because, and I think, I think there's a reason why this makes us uncomfortable. Because if I say, if I say, um, I love you. Or if I say, I appreciate you, I value you. If I say, I'm so glad you're in my life. It becomes clear to me that I've communicated that to you. But if you're saying it and your actions don't follow that up, it's not clear, no matter how many times you say it. And one of the most powerful ways that we can say it is with our ears, by simply listening to another person. Listening is one of the most humanizing actions. In fact, we see with Jesus Christ himself um, that he was a listener. He stopped and he listened to people. He let them talk. There's that story, and and this wasn't really planned, so I'm not going to go long into it. But there's that story in John chapter 3, right, where Nicodemus, I think that's John chapter 3, where Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Jesus sits and listens, and he understands this man's concerns about 
who Jesus is and what is he here for and the confusion that is going on in this man's life. And here we have this image of Jesus who was traveling the world, who was the known world, who was traveling the world, who was teaching and healing and speaking to people constantly, day in, day out, engaging with people. And when nighttime came, right, he was probably tired and not really wanting to engage anymore. But he took time out to pause, to listen, to process, and to respond out of what Nicodemus's concerns were. It's a powerful thing. It conveys love and grace, acceptance. And after that conversation with Nicodemus came one of the most powerful scriptures, one of the most popular scriptures ever. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's because God in the flesh conveyed his love for the world by listening and hearing, processing and responding to the world. You see, listening is a humanizing action. It makes people feel more human. It makes people feel more human. So first thing was uh, hearing is a sense. Listening is a skill. Second one, uh, human uh, hearing is a, um, what was it? Human action. Listening is a humanizing action. And the third one is uh, hearing is a, Mindless action, active listening is a ministry, right? It's a, it's a ministry. Oftentimes in our relationships, and, and, and this happens to, to me as well, even though um, I've been uh, in um, uh, theological schools longer than I like to remember and have paid more money uh, getting degrees than I like to think that I did so that I would know how to be a effective minister. And still, there are situations that happen in people's lives uh, and pain that they experience. And I have a hard time finding the words to express to them, to make them feel better. But one of the things the scriptures teach us is that ministry is not about finding the right words all the time. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do for somebody that's experiencing pain and brokenness and confusion in their life is simply to provide a safe space where they can express themselves and communicate and you can listen. You see, listening is a ministry. Listen to this quote I came across um, this week. Uh, um, This guy, uh, David Mathis, he says, the best ministry you might do today is to listen to somebody's pain all the way to the bottom, right? To listen to somebody's pain all the way to the bottom, not to feel like you have to fix it, not to feel like you have to say something in response, not to feel like you have to correct something they've said or to belittle or to diminish their emotions, but simply to sit with them and listen. They're there, there have been times in my life that I've had uh, friends or people that I've cared about that were going through difficult times. 
and, and I'll, be, I'll be just kind of open, transparent, and um, we're all works in progress. And there were times that I refused to pick up the phone or to go to places where I knew they would be because I didn't know what to say. And I felt like that would make me uncomfortable and the situation awkward. And so I avoided it until I felt like the pain had diminished and they were all better now. Now we can resume our relationship. You know what I did in, in that very instance? I missed an opportunity to deepen a relationship and make that relationship healthier and more whole by seeking to remain in a comfortable space instead of pressing into the discomfort of that moment and offering to them the ministry of listening. There's just something powerful that happens when we're willing to sit with a person and engage them and allow them to get all of their feelings and emotions out on the table. It will deepen a relationship every single time. It's healthy and it's good for us. And so there are several practices um, that I think, those, those are different, the, the differences between uh, hearing and listening, but there are several practices I think that we can do uh, beginning today um, that we see from, from even the scriptures that we can integrate into our lives in order to become better listeners. And the first one that I want you to see um, is, is that we have to create space for communication to take place, right? We have to create space for communication to take place. Um, too many times I've, and I put myself in the hot seat again, right? I've gone, well, he knew that he could come to me and talk to me. He knew that. Or she knew that she could pick up the phone. I'm just a phone call away, right? She knew that. If she had an issue with this, she knew that she could reach out to me, right? We have to create space for communication to take place in our relationships. The best way to create space for communication is through our character, right? Through character. Christian character will create space for communication to take place. There's a classic verse that talks about Christian character in Galatians chapter 5. Um, it's the fruit of the Spirit. You might be familiar with it. Let me, let me just read a little bit to this, of this to you. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? That's the fruit of the Spirit, right? If I'm, if I am a loving person, how much more likely, right? And then that, and my love is shown by my actions. How much more likely is someone going to come and communicate with me? Because they know that that's part of my character, right? If I'm a joyful person, how much more likely is it that someone's going to come and express themselves and share what they're going through uh, with me? If I'm a peaceful person and they don't have to worry about me like erupting in anger, right? And like throwing stuff and tearing up stuff. Uh, not, that, not that I would ever do that, but if, if that's the person that I am, right? How much more likely will you be open to communication? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, right? If we work on our character, right? Instead of convincing someone that I'm someone that you can talk to, and this happens even in marriages, right? Even instead of convincing your spouse, you, you just got to talk to me. You just got to open up. You just got to express yourself. You just need to do better. If that's the way you're feeling, why didn't you say that was the way you're feeling? Instead of doing that, right, which is what we're all prone to do, right? Uh, instead of doing that, maybe we work on our character 
and explore, maybe there's a reason why she didn't feel like she could express that to me. Or maybe there's a reason why he didn't feel comfortable saying that to me. We're very prone in our relationships to point our finger at the other person. When there's that silly joke that you learned uh, as a kid, you know, uh, when you're pointing your finger at somebody else, there's four more or three more, however many, three more pointing back at you. There's truth to that, right? We have to work on our character because character creates space for communication to take place. And we won't even have opportunities to listen if we're not working on our character. The Bible is not necessarily teaching us how to have better relationships, but teaching us how to live more fully into the one relationship that ultimately matters but transforms every other relationship. Second thing I want you to see, things that we can do today. Um, The second one is keep cool when you don't agree with what is being communicated, right? Keep cool even when you don't agree with what's being communicated. This is a hard one for all of us because it's like, um, it's just hard to sit there and hear somebody say something that you feel like is just wrong, especially, especially, especially when it feels like it's like throwing you under the bus, Right? And it's just like, this, this is just not me. She has just totally misunderstood me. This just isn't me. And this is actually biblical. If you go back to Proverbs chapter 17, um, there's this wonderful scripture that's in the, in, in the Bible. Uh, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. It says, the one who has knowledge uses words with rest- restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Right? Literally, it says the one who has understanding has a cool spirit. The Bible's saying keep cool, right? Even when you disagree with someone, because that's the only way you come to understanding, and that's the only way that relationships grow. The thing that happens when, when, uh, when we disagree uh, with someone else uh, and what's being communicated is we immediately, often, we immediately become defensive. And, and here's what defensiveness does. It builds a wall brick by brick that separates us from the other person. And it provides space for the enemy, the devil. We talked about, was that last week? Uh, The devil to accomplish his goal in your relationships which is to destroy them and to drive them apart. This is a, this is a skill, right? We got to learn to keep cool when we disagree. Because if not, we are just making space for the devil to destroy our relationships. And so if I say, right, if I say um, to my wife, I love you, right? if, I, if I say that, I back that up by defending my relationship, by not providing space for the devil to divide us, to accomplish his goal in our relationship. If I say to my brother or to my friend um, that I care for you, I love you, right? If that's the way I feel, right, I've got to allow, even if he is wrong, him to be wrong in that moment and not to become defensive and feel like I have to take over the conversation and prove that I'm right. Because here's the thing about relationships and the way we mistreat them 
that relationships are not about winning. They're just not. They're not about winning. It's not about me getting my view over yours, my opinion over yours. It's not about me correcting you. It's not about us being in an argument where one of us has to win or dominate the other. Relationships are not about winning. But there are about two people who are connecting with one another. And there has to be a bridge that is built. And as soon as we lose our cool, And become defensive. We begin destroying that bridge that we've been working on. And we will never have a whole relationship. This is one of the toughest parts about relationships. Because we immediately are drawn to defensiveness. And I think the only way that we get better in this area is by doing some work outside of arguments, and heated discussions. Because if you try to correct this in the middle of a heated discussion, right, if you don't do some work internally with with your confidence, self-esteem, when you get into that argument or that discussion, defensiveness is going to reign and take control every single time. It is. Third thing and final thing I want you to see is that um, we must respond from a place of understanding and compassion. We must understand from a place of understanding and compassion. Now, let's say, just given the last um, thing we, that, I, that I just said, that last uh, kind of analogy, situation, illustration that, that I just gave, right? Well, you're in a conversation, and, and the person is saying something that is wrong, and you know it's wrong, and I'm just not going to let him think that way about me, and I'm going to correct that, right? And, and you choose, no, I'm going to keep cool, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him, I'm going to let her express herself. I'm going to let her get it out. I'm going to ask open-ended questions. I'm going to get a better understanding of why he feels that way or why she feels that way. I'm going to grasp this situation more fully. I'm going to actively listen. And you walk away going, and maybe, maybe, maybe this is you, maybe not. Maybe, maybe this is just me. Um, I, just, I just lost in that argument. You walk away going, I just lost. Let me correct that and say, you didn't just lose. You took a huge step to a better and healthier relationship. But here's a a bigger step or maybe a next step that you can take. You can sit with what that person just said. And you can... You can put yourself in that vulnerable, uncomfortable space where you ask, well, why does she feel that way about me? Or why does he feel that way? Why is that the experience, his experience? Instead of invalidating it in the moment and building that wall and giving the devil space, why is he feeling that way? Why is she feeling that way? And you can even spend some time praying about it. And really giving serious thought and prayer to how you should respond. And then you can respond from a place of understanding and compassion. 
Now, that, that may include the immediate response that you want it to give in the moment. But that immediate response that you want it to give in the moment is going to have no traction if it's coming out of a place of defensiveness. And it will not be heard and it will be ineffective. It will only be effective as we're responding from a place of understanding and compassion. I feel your pain. I'm sorry I've caused you to feel that way. Let's make this better together. You see, if we're ever going to have healthy relationships, we have to learn to listen. We have to learn to engage in our conversations where we're fully paying attention. We're drawing out of people so that we can gain understanding is what the Bible's always pushing us towards. Gaining understanding so that we're not operating and responding out of a place of hostility, out of anger, out of frustration, out of broken emotions, but so that we're responding out of a place of understanding, compassion, and love. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this time to explore uh, the difficult space of relationships. And God, this is just hard work um, for us to do because, um, well, because we're, we're human beings and all of us are broken. And if we weren't broken, we would have no need of a Savior. But we come into spaces like this, and we together as broken people stand before God who lived and walked on this earth, who healed and cared for broken souls. And so, God, we lift up our brokenness to you. And we say, God, be our everything. Be what we need in this moment. Bring healing into our relationships. Restore hope where hope has been lost. God, please help us not to give up. Because there's a God who's able to raise the dead. And it is true. Dead things do live again. You've proved it. So God, please help us as we work to have better relationships in our lives. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.